0: You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, November 3rd, and we are inching our way closer to that wonderful time of year. That's right, sweater weather. Sure, it's San Diego, and our flip-flops are never that far out of reach, but we do have winter weather, albeit very subtle. And many of our fellow colleagues further east and up north are rolling their eyes. But San Diego's weather is like fine wine. And so it is with a discerning palate. We must sip our cooler seasons in the evening. Anyway, back to business. Before we kick off another exciting interview, I want to remind you that open enrollment has begun. You have until Friday, November 19th at 5 p.m. PST to make your elections on UCPath Online self-service portal. And if you're thinking to yourself, hmm, how do I navigate these murky waters and make the best choices for my life this year? Look no further than our dear friend Blink with its plentiful schedules of upcoming vendor presentations and UCPath presentations. We also have another exciting Campus Lisa webinar tomorrow at noon. This one is entitled Beyond Here and Now, Campus and UC Initiatives for Preserving Digital Materials for Generations to Come. Head over to campuslisa.ucsd.edu to learn more and register, and I will see you there. And last, Daylight Savings is coming up on Sunday, so fall back, I say. Fall back. And now... Joining the many voices of the current, this time as our guest interviewer, we have Ronis Zenin chopping it up with Stefan Savage, our own faculty member over in the Department of Computer Science and Engineering, here to discuss what he's been up to, his research, and being vulnerable in 2021. Take it away, Ronis.
1: Hello, ITF. This is Ronis Zenin in the security team, and I am here as your. Guest podcast interviewer today with Stefan Savage from CSE.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: It is so wonderful to have you. I'm really excited to both delve into the work that you're doing currently on campus and also to give folks a sneak preview into the presentation that you'll be doing for us next month as part of the system wide protecting your digital self series. So, First, I'd love to hear about what you are teaching. Sure. So
2: right now, I'm teaching two courses. One is the graduate course in computer security, which is CSE 227 which is a course in which our master's and PhD students actually focus on doing original computer security research. And so that class over time has produced actually a lot of really interesting results, including some crazy stuff like recovering people's ATM pin codes based on the heat that they transfer to the keys. And yeah, it was pretty wild. We rented a thermal camera. There was another one that showed how to use computer vision to duplicate house keys, 200 feet away. And so they they do like really wild things. And it's mainly an exercise to get them to understand the difference between what they learned as undergrads, which was kind of executing on a task and the the research mission, which is about really finding new problems that people haven't thought about before. Um, So I'm doing that as well as there's a regular security seminar that gets run out of CSE that alternates between kind of a traditional thing of reading new papers. And then every other week, we have a group of students present what have been the hot purity news stories that have happened over the last two weeks. And that's mainly just so we can all keep current because the world is moving so quickly that right. just keeping up with the new vulnerabilities and breaches and policy changes. And that's a place for us to all kind of get on the same page. And um, and I'm busy preparing because I'm teaching a ransomware course next quarter. And then I'm also, I co-teach the cybersecurity policy course with Peter Cowie in GPS. So a lot, lot of teaching going on.
1: That is so awesome. Awesome. I have to say, personally, I'm very interested in that last course. And also, I think it's really wonderful that with your graduate student course, that you're focusing on helping people to solve the questions that really haven't been asked yet.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, it's a lot of fun. It is not the way most of our courses are structured. The students show up and I tell them there's no homework and there's no final and there's no midterm. And they say, oh, this course is easy. And I say, this course is really hard because I'm not going to tell you do, but I will evaluate you on it. (laughs) Nice. Oh, gosh.
1: That sounds really awesome. So what other research are you actively involved in?
2: So we are doing a, a lot of things. And to be fair, when I say we, like the students do all the work. As faculty, we are very much cheerleaders and supervisors, but the people who are up late kind of making these amazing things happen are, are always the students. And so the breadth of things that I work on really is a function of what students are interested in. But so like now we have a bunch of work on uh, DNS hijacking, particularly by more sophisticated actors where they are taking over, secretly taking over people's domains and then getting certificates for them so that they can spoof their their sites. We found that in a number of foreign governments. We have a bunch of work going on, actually some of which involving ITS, trying to do empirical assessments of security risk. And like what kinds of things actually make more or less secure? And in the same way we talk about evidence-based healthcare, can we like build an an empirical basis for saying these things matter a lot and these matter less? We're doing a bunch of work on stalkerware that's basically spyware that's focused on around things like intimate violence where people are spying on their, on their, uh, on their spouses or their, their ex partners, a bunch on email security. We have a whole project on lateral spreading and enterprises, and then kind of relevant to the talk that I'll be giving. There's an, uh, I'm part of a larger group that's doing work in aviation security. So we've been putting together a big chunk of a 737 in the lab and have been kind of reverse engineering all of that. So that's been pretty exciting.
1: That's cool, a 737
2: in the lab. Uh, no, not the wings, just the computer parts.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was reading your, your experimental security analysis of a modern automobile the other day and making some, some highlights and, and notes and saw that your team worked in the lab as well as on, on the road with your vehicle.
2: And the most fun part about that, so as a part of that work, we bought, we bought a car here at UCSD, and because it was bought through UCSD, it got university plates. And the result of that is it could not be ticketed, which was just the <laughs> most amazing thing to have an unticketable car.
1: <laughs> you could do all the things and that'd be fine. So speaking of that paper and uh, your your upcoming talk. Tell us just a little sneak preview of what we can expect to hear about when we have your modern automotive vulnerabilities, uh, the science behind the fast and the furious session on November 12th.
2: Uh, sure. So this is a, a project that started off kind of very academic, where we said we're going to go and try to explore some of these abstract computer security vulnerabilities that might exist in automobiles because they have lots of of, um, computers in them these days. And it ends up in this totally James Bondy place. I am going to explain how starting a decade ago, you know, 2,000 miles away, sight unseen, we could take over a car and did and turned off its brakes and, you know, turned on its engine could do basically anything and the story of not only discovering that but why it was that way and then what were all the challenges in working with the industry and the federal government to try to address those issues which in fact turned out to be very much non-obvious but the reason I call it the science of the fast and the furious is that if you watch the fast and furious eight where all those cars get taken over (laughs) um it is bombastic and kind of very Hollywoody, but there is more than a grain of truth in all of that. And we spent a bunch of time looking into the technical details and then a bunch of time dealing with kind of the policy consequences of what we found.
1: That's really awesome. So now I need to go see Fast and Furious 8 because I haven't yet. I love that the work that you all did been contributed so much to what the industry and what the government had to do and in improving their policies and the technology itself in the vehicle. I loved that the manufacturers were so surprised by your findings and oh well that that couldn't possibly happen. Like yes it can. We We just did it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we had more than our fair share of those of those conversations. You know, one of the things, I love doing work that I describe as um, describing the present. <laughs> like there are, there are other people who are very futuristic and say, what if in the world there's a metaverse and what would the security, I tend to look at what is the life, what is the world we have in front of us and what are the security issues that are there? And my experience always has been that when we look deeply, it's much more complicated than everyone really thinks. It's also very rewarding because you get to work on things that actually matter because they are the problems and the systems and the environment that everyone has right now. So we try to spend a lot of time when we pick projects to think about things where based on what we find, people would care.
1: So with that in mind, what do you see perhaps on the on the horizon that we're looking forward to or looking towards that might be of, of concern or that that we should have on our radar?
2: That is a good question. I think that, um, I'm not sure if I have a unique take here. I think that that there are a few classes of problems that are simply growing in significance. and, And one is the aggregation of information about individuals and the fact that we are now concentrating a huge amount of information about the personal lives of everyone and their preferences and their interests and how to manipulate them and so forth. Uh, and, I, and I think that becomes a significant issue, not just at the technical level, but, but that it it informs kind of how these work. And, and that's, a, that's a tough one. Uh, the other is that we have, we hand over complete control of Uh, most of the things in our lives to computers and usually for very good reasons and it makes them more efficient and it makes them cheaper and it makes them safer and all those things. Uh, It also exposes us to like extreme catastrophic failure because when those are compromised, then then we're in deep trouble because we've basically abdicated any control. There's very, if you're in an elevator today, it's computer controlled. If you're in a car, it's computer controlled. Modern airplane is computer controlled. And so everything works if the computers work well. But but can you know computers are are fragile. I mean, one of the sad truths about you know computer science and computer engineering versus other kinds of engineering is that we don't really have a way to talk about uh, non-catastrophic failure. Like with a bridge, it might bend, like the steel might deform a little bit, but where it won't break. And generally, in the computer world, when you go off the rails a little bit, it's game over. Yeah, <laughs> like all anything. bets are off. And. I think you know those are a couple of the big ones, and then all the rest ends up being details. Uh, but there are you know there are, there are a lot of details. Uh, the other big thing I'll mention is you know, in some sense at, at cross purposes to technology, but that the real threats that we end up facing are less about new technological innovations that are adding to our risk, but come about from new business innovations or, changes in government policy about how to take advantage of those so like ransomware is a great example ransomware goes back gosh to the 1980s um and uh but it became a big deal when there was basically a a business innovation to go after large enterprises which was enabled by the liquidity in cryptocurrency markets so that you could, it was a reasonable thing to ask a company to part with $5 million of untraceable something. Um, but the actual technology of ransomware is largely unchanged for the last 20 years. Uh, what changed was, was this entrepreneurial mindset, shifting from individuals to companies. And that's, I think that gets understudied, that this human and economic component to this, but that's where a lot of the real points come from.
1: Awesome, so we'll be able to learn more about that from your course next quarter.
2: I hope so, I I usually do courses like that as much to teach myself as to teach anybody else, but that is the hope. I think there's some really interesting questions to be answered in that space.
1: Awesome, that is so wonderful. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. I really look forward to our session with you next month.
2: It has been my pleasure. I look forward to to seeing everyone again.
1: Awesome. So, ITS, just to remind you, on November 12th at 1 p.m., we'll have Stefan back for the presentation, Modern Automotive Vulnerabilities, the Science Behind the Fast and the Furious please go to cybersecurity.Ucsv.edu, take a look at our events page, and you will find the registration link for the session there. Also, you could send email to cybersecurity at ucsv.edu to reach me for scheduling perhaps a session to play one of the Cyber Escape rooms for National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. We'll have access to those games all throughout the next year as well. So come on and join us. I guarantee you'll have some fun. All right, thanks again, Stefan. I really appreciate your time.
0: My pleasure. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT Services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.